0: hello again everybody and welcome to gamecock central radio it's emerson phillips joined by gamecock central columnist scott davis for a look at scott's column that's up on the website right now hold the heartbreak is the headline scott good to have you back with us man how you been
1: uh doing well emerson great to be with you i wish i was talking about south carolina's most recent win in Gainesville, Florida, and for most of that game, I thought I was going to be, but as we all know, South Carolina unable to close the door down there in the swamp, and so unfortunately, you and I are once again talking about the Gamecocks coming up short in a big game against the top 25 SEC rival. Yeah,
0: that is disappointing. Scott, you said that this game could have been heartbreaking for you, but as you reflected on it, it wasn't. Why? Well, you know, this is
1: the type of game that in my history as a sports fan, particularly as a South Carolina fan, would have sent me into just a downward spiral of rage followed by uh, grief and, uh, you know, ultimately um, just a sort of numb state of shock. But uh, as I watched this game from beginning to end, that was really the reason why I didn't leave the game devastated because South Carolina really just could not stop a very, you know, average Florida offense for the entirety of the game. Made a few stops in the first half, um but really from the second half on just didn't have even the beginnings of an answer on defense and it really looked that way too. Florida able to run the ball at will, had somewhere around 370 yards rushing for the game, which is truly a staggering number South Carolina's defense even at its worst over the years in the SEC has not surrendered numbers quite that eye popping so when you look at all of those things taken together it's hard to come away from a feeling with a feeling that the Gamecocks were robbed down there in Gainesville or that you know the ball just didn't bounce their way they did have a few unlucky breaks that I spoke to in the column but the reality is They probably should have lost that football game, and at the end of the day, that's exactly what happened. So I don't know how, really, you can be too disappointed by that outcome.
0: Yep, Gamecocks just had no hope of stopping Florida in the second half, and there was no heartbreak to it, according to Scott in his column this week. Scott, you have game balls each week in your column and also deflated balls that you hand out every week, and this week it's the who's fired up about the AutoZone Liberty Bowl (laughs) game balls of the week. First one goes to Debo.
1: Yeah, it does. It's good to see Debo back in the uh, in the game ball um, list. There, he was has always been a mainstay since he's been a Gamecock, and so it was nice to see him kind of have a vintage Debo Samuel day. He certainly hasn't underperformed this season, but I think by the standards that we're used to with him, it hasn't been one of those kinds of years where he just you know, jumped out from your TV screen and and kind of throttled you by the throat and said, hey, take notice of, of how special I am as a college football player. Hadn't been one of those kind of seasons, but he's been solid And this game. Looked like the Debo Samuel that we're used to seeing. He almost broke a length of the field touchdown on a screen pass from Jake Bentley and even made a big play on special teams. So good to see him back in there, and as you mentioned – you know, I named it after the Liberty Bowl. It's going to be something like that for South Carolina, assuming they can finish off this season, beat Chattanooga, beat Akron. Don't think any sane human being is expecting them to do much against Clemson. So if you can finish the season at 7-5, and five, that's probably a destination or something like it that you'll find yourself in during bowl season, and if the Gamecocks had been able to win on the road in Gainesville, then you could have been potentially talking about a New Year's Day bowl, but now you're not.
0: A game ball as well for getting the tight ends more involved. Scott, this is a frequent refrain from Gamecock fans, get those tight ends more involved, and Saturday the Gamecocks did that. Yeah,
1: it's it has been since I've been watching South Carolina going back to the 1980s. I remember particularly in the 90s when Brad Scott was the head coach and then on into the Lou Holtz era, it seemed like something fans just harked on just about every season. It hasn't changed even on through the Steve Spurrier uh, regime. And now with Will Muschamp as head coach, fans just want to see tight ends catching the football for whatever reason. And on Saturday that happened. Jacob August, Kyle Markway, a couple of touchdowns, catches which is really rare to see and Casey Crosby had a big first down grab as well so the Gamecocks have some weapons there if they can find a way to use them you know we've gotten used to seeing Hayden Hurst catch a lot of balls the last few seasons and then this year just not a lot of uh, production from the tight end uh, position you can argue that perhaps the Gamecocks haven't really tried to get them involved that much but either way we haven't seen them Contribute a whole lot in 2018, so it was good to see them uh, knock the dust off and and do some good things on Saturday.
0: A game ball also for Florida quarterback Felipe Franks shushing his own fans after he ran for a touchdown. That was strange to me, Scott. He did this several times in the second half where he held the index Mm -hmm. finger up to his face mask and shushed his own fans (laughs) after they booed him throughout about the first three quarters.
1: Well, it was very clear that this was the day that the Gamecocks really had an opportunity to kind of turn this Gator crowd against its own team, and in the beginning of the game, they were doing just that, you know, the swamp ringing with booze there in the first half. It it was music to my ears as a South Carolina fan, but uh, when things began to get going for Florida's offense and, and they remained going for the rest of the game, the fans, of course, as fans typically do, immediately tried to jump back onto the Florida bandwagon and cheer their team, and Felipe Franks just wanted to let them know he had heard the booze and um, that perhaps maybe they should just quietly uh, sit there and watch the proceedings unfold. But either way, I thought it was kind of funny. Um, Florida fans called out actually before this game by Dan Mullen himself, the head coach of the Gators, who felt that they really hadn't stepped up this season and hadn't made the swamp that intimidating. And um, I think those fans were very much ready to turn on their team on Saturday. And, unfortunately, the Gamecocks just – could not close the door on Florida and allow that to fully come to fruition.
0: You give T.J. Brunson, Gamecock linebacker, a game ball as well for almost single-handedly willing the Gamecock defense to success. He had a hell of a game.
1: He did, and just about everybody who wrote about this game had already talked about him, so there wasn't a whole lot for me to say. But for a defense that's just woefully undermanned right now, I don't think anyone would argue with that. He's one of the bright spots. He's a guy out there who – isn't getting a lot of support from his peers, unfortunately, but he's doing everything he can to keep that unit afloat. And without him, gosh, I don't know where the game Gamecocks would have been on Saturday. Mm.
0: 16 tackles, two sacks, and a forced fumble for TJ Brunson, the Richland Northeast High School product out of Columbia. Plenty of deflated balls in your column this week, Scott. Hold the heartbreak is the headline. The article's on the website right now. We invite you to check it out. Scott, uh, you've had a – battle or a dilemma in your mind for many years. Is it worse to follow a team with a bad defense or one with a bad offense? And You you think you've finally come up with a definitive answer to that question.
1: Yeah, we've answered it definitively. (laughs) I watched two games right in
0: a row on Saturday. The first was ours against Florida. The second was
1: Oklahoma State versus Oklahoma. Neither game featured much defense, but for the two losing teams, you could argue that they probably perhaps outplayed their opponent, but simply could not stop the opposing offense to save their souls. And for both of those teams' fans, it's excruciating to watch when, as I said in the column, you just know without a shadow of a doubt that your defense is not going to stop the opponent. There's nothing they can do. And it's just an incredibly frustrating feeling. I think what I've come to understand is, you know, if you if you follow a team that has a bad offense, at least it's possible that your defense can score some points for you. Maybe they'll you know pick off a, a pass and return it for a touchdown. Maybe they'll recover a fumble deep into the opponent's territory, and all your offense has to do is kind of run forward for a couple of yards and pick up a TD. So it's possible that good things can happen there. When you've got a defense that can't stop an opponent's offense under any circumstances, and you know you've got to score a touchdown every time you possess the ball on offense to win the game, it's a, it's an extremely disheartening and helpless feeling, and that's what I was feeling on Saturday. It just didn't seem like the Gamecocks could score enough points to win that game, and as it uh, turned out, that's exactly what happened.
0: Scott, this next one I knew would make it into your column some way, somehow, and Florida converting the luckiest play in SEC football <laughs> history to keep a touchdown scoring drive alive gets a deflator mm-hmm. as well. Not,
1: not sure I've ever seen anything quite like it because there were so many breaks that went Florida's way in the span of about five or six seconds. First of all, the, uh, the snap to Felipe Franks went over his head. Typically, that is going to... Result in the quarterback just falling on the football and at worst, you know, losing 10, 12 yards. That's usually, you know, exactly what happens when something like that goes down. Instead, the ball bounces directly back to him as though he were dribbling a basketball, as I said in the column. I've never seen anything quite like that. So he runs to his right and slings the football away as he's being pursued. It bounces off the hands of a Gator player and into the hands of another Gator player
0: who then strength
1: of the football <laughs> as he's falling down uh, by a Gamecock, even though um, that was ruled not to be a fumble somehow. So in the span of, you know, like I said, five, six, seven seconds, the Gators had four incredible breaks go their way. It ends up being a first down. The Gamecocks don't have the football, nor is Florida punting. And the result of that series ended up being the Gators scoring a touchdown, which put them back into the football game from which they then went ahead to win. So I'm not saying that that play by itself is the reason South Carolina lost the game, because it's not. When you give up 530 yards of total offense, you've done a lot of different things to lose the game, but it was just emblematic of how that second half just simply went against South Carolina in every way, shape, and form that it could.
0: Plenty of deflators to choose from and this week's Scott Davis column. Scott will wrap the podcast today with play calling, particularly in the fourth quarter. A lot of fans disgruntled about the fact that the Gamecocks stuck with the run game even though they were not producing mm-hmm. yards on the ground with that big lead in the second half?
1: Yeah, there's been a lot of discussion about that, no question. I think uh, some uh, effort by some to defend the coaches that, you know, perhaps Jake Bentley uh, pulled out of possible passing plays into running plays or had the option to go with a run or pass, and based on what he saw from the defense, he believed that the best option was to run the football. And that may be the case. I think what I would say to that would be, at any point in time, the gamecocks could have either called a timeout or you know signaled into um their quarterback Jake Bentley that you know what we need to throw the
0: football right here
1: if if they if they really had to throw the ball the the coaches coaching staff could have made sure that that happened, and they didn't and as a result, at one point in the fourth quarter, I counted South Carolina ran five consecutive running plays um and uh, did not really do much when they had the opportunity. I know the running game was working early. I get all of that. But it was clear that they had to keep scoring if they were going to win that game. There was no possible way that they were going to continue to hold off the Gators on offense for the remainder. They certainly didn't. The point that even with a... um, 17-point lead, you know, late in the third quarter. South Carolina was actually behind in this football game with more than four minutes remaining. So it's not like Florida scored with, you know, as time expired to win the game. They got behind fairly quickly. And so they then had to score. And at that point, they, you know, there were a few drop passes, some pass plays that they did attempt at that point didn't work. But to me, the damage was already done. They should have been trying to put points on the board really every time they had the ball. And if there was any effort whatsoever to run the clock out, if that's what was happening, I don't think it was wise.
0: Rough week this week for the Gamecocks. Hold the heartbreak is the headline of Scott Davis's column that's on Gamecock Central right now. We invite you to check that out. Scott, the Gamecocks will try to get it back on track with Chattanooga coming to town on Saturday and then the big Clemson game coming up next week.
1: Yeah, looking forward to this last stretch here. The Gamecocks still have a chance to win seven games. It looked like this season could be extremely ugly. And then in the last few weeks, they've won several games that could have gone either way which has salvaged this season somewhat. But unfortunately, the Florida loss is going to keep it from being a special season. At best, this is going to be, you know, a slightly better than mediocre year for South Carolina, perhaps even a step backwards. But I, I still think it's it's progress if they can go 7-5 and, and get to a bowl, no matter what that bowl is. They need to take care of business in these two games. They'll be favored in the rest of the way. And then Clemson, you know, I could sit here and say, hey, let's just see what happens. But I think we know what's going to happen there. So win two out of three, get to a bowl, and uh, all is not lost as we look to the future.
0: All right, Scott, we appreciate you. We'll do it again next week. Thanks very much.
1: Sounds good, Emerson. Talk to you later. All
0: right, that's Scott Davis, our columnist, and I'm Emerson Phillips, and this is Gamecock Central Radio. Thanks for joining us on GCR.